ಕಥಾಮೃತೀವನ ಕವಿರೀರಿತ ಕಲ್ಮಷಾಪಹಂ ಶ್ರವಣಮಂಗಲ ಶ್ರೀಮದಾತುವಿ ಗೃಹಂತೇ So, we will continue with our study of the gospel where we find Sri Ramakrishna is visiting Vidyasagar. And the discussion, the scholarly discussion was going on. Sri Ramakrishna in his unique way, with the simple words, was speaking of some profound philosophy. His words are so simple that sometimes we even don't understand the real depth of it. That just in few sentences is encrypted that so much vast philosophy which we find in the yoga and in the vedanta philosophy so in the last class we were trying to reflect on all those the yoga philosophy the vedanta philosophy which are as if in the background of all these simple words of sri ramakrishna they are like sutras the sutras are like the encrypted philosophy in the form of small aphorisms so here also ramakrishna's words are like aphorisms it has the depth of his own realization behind it what he is speaking and as he is speaking from the depth of his realization the words are plain and simple so in the last class we ended with that simile which sri ramakrishna is giving when one enters into the state of nirvijya asampragyata samadhi once a salt doll went to measure the depth of the ocean it wanted to tell others how deep the water was but this it could never do for no sooner did it get into the water than it melted now who was there to report the ocean's depth as in the last class we were discussing the various stages of samadhi first comes the sampragyata samadhi in the sampragyata samadhi also first the stage is samadhi matram means that with a lot of assiduous effort when your mind has become ekagra all the vacillations have stopped so for the first time when the mind is focused on the object of meditation the knowledge reveals this sampragyat all the knowledge comes through concentration even the sensual knowledge comes through concentration there cannot be any knowledge unless my mind is focused to the thing which i am perceiving through my five senses and through that in turn is being processed by my mind unless i am focused on it 
my mind can never realize what I have perceived. So many times it happens that when we are eating food, most probably there is no salt. But as my mind is totally engaged in something else, some worries, which I have developed some because of some development in my workplace, my mind is full of worry. So when I'm taking food, as my mind is totally absorbed in what has happened in my workplace and what may happen in my workplace, that though I am taking the food, I am not aware that there is no salt. It happens so many times. Someone else may point out, there is no salt, how are you taking? And then you may realize, the moment you focus, you realize. So any knowledge cannot be there unless your mind is is focused. So Sampragyata speaks of that. Even from our sensual knowledge, from the sensate knowledge to the ultimate knowledge of the object of your meditation. It may be gross, it may be subtle. It comes through the deep absorption. And for that, the mind has to be ekagra. So now, first it is samadhi matram. Means you cannot keep the mind focused in that state for long. As my mind, the the natural state of my mind is vacillating. The subconscious mind is full of the distractions. The mind again goes back to its old way of thinking in the default mode. So I have to go on trying to get established in that state from the Samadhi Matram to the Sampragyata Samadhi. Again, it's a gradual process. Now, when I reach the state of Sampragyata Samadhi, where you are established in yourself and all the I won't say established in yourself, established in the knowledge of yourself. That when you got established that I am the self, I am the Atman, I am the Brahman. What happens, there are innumerable mental modules, which all those mental modules are fixed with the, are hooked with the idea that I am this limited body. Whatever you like, whatever you dislike, are all related to this limited psychophysical existence. So when you get established in the knowledge that I am Atman, this is the negation of the fact that you are the body, you are the mind, you are the senses. Now there's all innumerable mental modules which are hooked with that limited ego. This new mental module is a negation of all those mental modules because they're all the basic thing. There are varied likes and dislikes, but the basic thing, they're all hooked to the limited idea of your individuality. So this idea, which you have through contemplation, you become focused that I am the Atman, I am the Brahman. When that is the natural state of your mind, all the others are bound to follow because this negates all of them. Now, when the mind is in that one state of flow that you are the Atman, still, it's not the real knowledge of the self. It's not the real establishment in the self. It is just the mind is having that one-pointedness of that idea, I am the self, which has negated, which has enabled all the other mental modules to become inactive. Now what happens, you know, our knowledge gets limited because of our biases. When suppose I am 
in a park in a just example which we give so many times that how the biases limit our knowledge that in the in a park in one corner there is a stump and in the dusk when the in the twilight hours when the light is not sufficient we will find that as per the bias people will be seeing it differently the one the thief who is running he's in he, who is running away from the police who is afraid of the police from a distance think it to be the police the police who is in search of the thief thinks it to be the thief the child who after his play is over is in search of the mother thinks it to be the mother the mother who is searching the child that it's the time to take the child back home thinks it to be the child a lover who is waiting for his sweetheart thinks it to be sweetheart so what is happening as per the bias my knowledge is getting limited it is just the stump of the tree so as long as all those mental modules are having their play we can never have the knowledge which is beyond all limitation when all the bias falls up because all the modules have become inactive then the thing which first becomes palpably visible is the knowledge that i am the self from that comes para vairagya supreme renunciation what is the difference between renunciation and supreme renunciation renunciation means with lot of effort with lot of conscious effort i got rid of one of my inordinate attachment that is renunciation supreme renunciation is when i get established in the knowledge that i am the self and all the mental modules have fallen off all at once your mind is free nothing is to obstruct and now the mind starts embracing the past which we have already traversed as our mind is immediately focused with the things of the present it never can encompass the past now the past becomes palpably visible from that comes paravairag you see that how many fruitless efforts we were going through life after life thinking this worldly achievements to be the be all and end all of our life how at last we were totally dissatisfied discontent as if whatever nature has given me everything has been taken away totally as like a destitute i have to leave the world it happened again and again from that that para vairagya comes and now the idea comes that i have to go beyond this limited existence even the thought i am the atman i am the brahman that also is holding to the mind the last bit of the mind that also i have to relinquish it is very difficult to understand from this state of existence that what is the state of mind of that person and from there now and then the mind will be going to the thoughtlessness to leave even that thought that i am the atman or if you are a devotee of god the thought of god that falls off it goes to the nirvija state but as the subconscious mind is full of the vritti ek ekagra vritti the thing holding on to which you have went to that concentrated state so it pops up they pops up again and again breaking that thoughtless state but if one is really established in paravairagya he pursues again and again to the thoughtless state 
so that that becomes the natural state of the mind where even the ekagra vritti is washed away at last that's the time when sri ramakrishna is speaking of this example that the one whose mind has now the habitual state has become this to remain in the thoughtlessness he's like that salt doll that the moment he went to measure the depth of the ocean and it wanted to tell others how deep the water was but it could not because you are beyond the mind it could never do for no sooner did it get into the water that it melted melted now who was there to report the ocean's depth so this is the state of nirvija asampragyata samadhi so when the first time i get asampragyata samadhi then also this doesn't happen that sri ramakrishna will be speaking of immediately after that it happens when thoughtlessness state becomes a habitual state of our existence sri ramakrishna in some other part of the gospel have mentioned such a person is going to is bound to die within 21 days his body will fall off like a dried leaf just from a plant when a dried leaf just gets detached from the branch and falls off like that we get as if detached from the so called nature and the self as if gets totally detached like a dry leaf never to come back to this world of transmigration so that's what he's uh, indicating by the exam by the simile of salt dog but now a devotee asks a question from which uh, from where we will start today's class a devotee suppose a man has obtained the knowledge of brahman in samadhi doesn't he speak any more now sri ramakrishna will be speaking of the special class of those who have attained samadhi not all many are there who want to merge but there are the so called avataras the acharyas who keep the compassion just keeps a little compassion to again come down to the sensate plane of existence to instruct the people so they hold on to the mind out of compassion to come down to teach the human kind in the ways of spirituality so that sri ramakrishna will be indicating shankaracharya one of the greatest philosophers of india written the ego knowledge ego of knowledge to teach others after the vision of brahman a man becomes silent he reasons about if it if he has not realized it so this simple sentences are really very it's very very profound he reasons about it if he has not realized it in yoga sutra we have studied sarvit that samadhi the initial stage of samadhi is called savitarka with the object of your concentration is something gross and if it is something subtle it is called savichar in indian language and in sanskrit vitarka means argument vichara means uh discussion argument discussion the to discuss the pros and cons of a thing so when that discussion comes into picture only when we have not realized we have started concentrating 
but that concentration has not yet resulted in realization. That example which we give again and again, that one have tasted the mango and he came and spoke about the taste of mango to a group of people. Now this concentration is even there in listening. They have listened intently about the taste of mango, that it's sweet, it has a nice flavor. Now they're trying to contempt this focus on this idea. Again, the concentration is there, but their focus is something which is misdirected because instead of trying to taste the mango, just mentally they're trying to reflect on those words and to find out and trying to find out the taste of mango. Now what will happen? There will be vitarka. There will be many people who will be cogitating in different ways as per their fund of experience. Some may say it is sweet like uh, molasses. It has a flavor like mm, jasmine. Someone may say it is sweet like honey. It has the flavor of rose. So like this varied opinions will be there. In Yoga Sutra, it has been mentioned that unless the concentration leads to realization, then what happens? Three things, Sabda, Artha, Jnana. Just see so many ideas are in that one line that if he reasons about it, if he has not realized it, what happens? Shabda, Artha, Jnana. What is Shabda? Shabda is the word mango, Shabda. Unless I, I have tested it, a jnana, the moment I hear the word shab, this mango, a type of knowledge do, I conceptualize in my mind. That is the jnana. And what is artha? Artha is the real taste of the mango, the real meaning, the real taste of the mango. So these three, sorry, these three are distinct. They are separate. Shabda, artha, jnana. And that results in vitarka. All the reasoning happens because I have not realized. Though the process of concentration have started, either it is misdirected or it has not taken me to the realization. Once I realize, those all people who were arguing about the taste of mango, now someone comes and gives them a piece of mango, to each a piece of mango. All tests, do you think any argument can continue after that? All will become silent. All have realized that the words they have heard is true, but they, as they had not the required fund of experience, they were having a knowledge which was not tallying with the real experience. The jnana and artha were not attuned to each other. The concepts were also varied. The moment they taste the mango, immediately the argument stopped. They all realized immediately that what I was thinking was not the correct thing. Now I have realized. So that will result what in silence. So with this simple example, we will understand that how profound the truth is been, uh, how profound truth has been spoken of here. So he reasons about if he has not realized it. If you heat butter in a pan on the stove, it makes a sizzling sound as long as the water it contains has not dried up. But when no trace of water is left, 
the clarified butter makes no sound so this water speaks of the dross in our mind unless we got rid of the all the mental modules and that one that one mental module which fix of my concentration i've got established in that the water is still there all the so called dross is still there so all the argument is still continuing the moment all the water has gone means i went to that realization all the dross has fallen off and all the so called sound stops the sizzling sound stops but again the sizzling can start wow well, if you put an uncooked cake of flour in that butter it sizzles again so it's the avatar the prophet those who out of compassion again come down they went to that state of nirvikalpa samadhi but they never merge they again come back to that state of mind that evolved state of mind which is ekagra which is always established in the vision of the divine it is always established in that it never comes down from that state because it has already that mind has already been purified to be in that ekagra state after coming down to that state from that divine awareness from the awareness of the divine he comes to preach the human kind the way out so that's why the sizzling has to start again so how nicely with a very common example sri ramakrishna is explaining the state that if you put if you heat butter in a pan on stove it makes sizzling sound as long as the water it contains has not dried up so it speaks of the spiritual endeavor which is yet to take you to the realization but when you go to the realization but when no trace of water is left all the dross has fallen off from your mind all the vacillations have stopped you are now in the state of realization when no trace of water is left the clarified butter makes no sound now you come down from the realization holding on to the state of divine awareness god consciousness to preach mankind so again the sound has to come so if you put an uncooked cake that is the interaction of the divine of the realized soul with the common human kind the common this the unenlightened mass is the uncooked cake of flour there the unenlightened mass so again it is coming in association with the unenlightened people the enlightened comes down to meet the unenlightened and now he has to instruct and that's why the sizzling again starts so if you put an uncooked cake of flour in that butter it sizzles again but after the cake is cooked all sound stops so now again hearing to that instruction this speaks of parampara this speaks of the spiritual tradition the guru teaches the shishya shishya following the instruction of the guru till he goes to the realization he will be constantly having lot of doubts like you will find arjuna though bhagavan shri krishna in gita is speaking in a very clear terms but arjun do have doubts again and again he is asking question and that's why it continues for 18 chapters so this 
question, this interaction goes on as long as the disciple himself has realized the truth. Once he has realized the truth, then what happens? Now there's no question, there's silence. The guru is also silent, the disciple is also silent. They both went to that state of realization. So that's why when the cooking is complete, then again the sizzling stops. So if you put an uncooked cake off floor in that butter, it sizzles again. So the process of instruction has started, but after the cake is cooked, all sound stops. So the instruction has led to the realization as per the parampara from the guru to the shishya. The shishya also has realized. So again, there is no sizzling, it has stopped. So how nicely he's speaking of so many things in these few words. Just so a man established in samadhi comes down to the relative plane of consciousness to teach others. And then he talks about God. This similar type of example again he's giving in with another simile. The bee buzzes as long it is not sitting on a flower. It becomes silent when it begins to sip the honey. But sometimes intoxicated with the honey, it buzzes again. So the same thing that though it is fully intoxicated, it is it is satiated, but again, out of compassion, it comes to buzz again, fully intoxicated with the nectar of the divine. So, but sometimes intoxicated with the honey, it is the honey means the bliss of the divine. With that, it is intoxicated. It comes down to narrate that bliss to the humankind so that they also get motivated to go to that state of intoxication. So it buzzes again. So this is the idea which Sri Ramakrishna is speaking of. That once you go to that realization, then all the doubts have fallen off. You, are, you become silent. And then you, to instruct others, again you come down. You again start instructing others. Hearing your instruction, the next generation, the Shishya, they also go to the state of realization. And that's how the tradition continues. That's a spiritual tradition. That's in Sanskrit is called the Parampara. So here, Sri Ramakrishna is speaking of the tradition of the spiritually illumined souls. An empty pitcher, the same thing again with another simile, he's giving the same example. An empty pitcher makes a gurgling sound when it is dipped in water. When it fills up, it becomes silent. But if the water is poured from it into another pitcher, then you will hear the sound again. The rishis of old attend the knowledge of Brahman. One cannot have this so long as there is the slightest trace of worldliness. How hard the rishis labored. Early in the morning, they would go away from the hermitage and would spend the whole day in solitude, meditating on Brahman. At night, they would return to the hermitage and eat a little fruit or roots. They kept their minds aloof from the objects of sight, hearing, touch, and other things of a worldly nature. Only thus did they realize Brahman as their own inner consciousness. So it speaks of the 
sadhana chatushtaya which has been spoken of in vedanta viveka vairagya samadamadi shat sampatti and mumukshutva so this totally cutting oneself off from all worldly engagements that speaks of the sama and dama controlling of the mind controlling of the senses titiksha the forbearance uparati again and again trying to meditate leading to samadhana and for that you have to have shraddha in the words of the guru because it's not going to happen in a day it has to go on for days together years together and that is this sadhana chatushtaya which has been spoken of in this few words but now sri ramakrishna will be speaking the spiritual practices for this age this is the practice in the olden days the rishis have practiced the this severe austerities and went to the realization but in the present age is it possible is it really practical to follow that old way of spiritual evolution spiritual practices so that is not possible that sri ramakrishna will be indicating in this next in his next paragraph in the next discussion what he is saying but in kali yuga man being totally depend on dependent on food for life cannot altogether shake off the idea that he is the body so this is the idea in translation sometimes the real meaning sometimes uh, we miss it's not actually dependent on food in the, even in the last gita class we were discussing yes it may be true that we cannot do all those severe austerities as the rishis did to certain extent that is true but when sri ramakrishna is saying kolite annogato pran it has a different intonation there what's that that as we were speaking of in the gita class that the entire human progress what it speaks of the, the culture the civilization which we had in the past the civilization which has developed which is evolving the culture which is evolving what it actually speaks of it speaks of laser that as a human being when we were food gatherers we didn't knew how to produce food cultivate food Cult- this agriculture we were yet to discover is to invent so we used to gather food so there was no laser every day you have to go to the forest gather roots fruits herbs hunt whatever you get you bring and with that you sustain for that day again the next day it starts the throughout the day your we were busy just to sustain ourselves we were busy throughout the day so there was no question of higher thoughts but when we learned agriculture now there was sufficient laser with it laser came that for a part of a year i cultivated my lands and now i have lot of this food in my granary so with that the rest of the year i can just sustain myself so what to do with the laser then this culture came performing arts came higher thoughts 
the meaning of life, all this came along with the laser. Now, there was a group of people who was meant for all the performing arts, who were meant for literature. They were sustained by the food, the extra food, the, which has been produced, the surplus. The surplus enabled not only that, it enabled the spiritual endeavor also. And they were sustained. But now think, even just think in the present society, if someone thinks I won't do any work, I will simply be sitting and meditating. Can he sustain in any way is impossible? Is the society going to feed him? No. Why? Because the laser, the paradox, as we were discussing in the last class, the paradox of civilization is in our search for laser. We have went to a great extent. Now just see in our household, so many things we have. The washing machine, the dishwasher, the refrigerator, which all speaks of laser. I save my time more and more. But that's the paradox. You will find what has happened that in our work field, we have to work so much that there is no time for anything else, just to earn my living throughout the day, throughout even night. I have to work, work, just to earn my living. There is no time for anything else. So that's the idea of Annamaya Prana. Just to earn my living, earn my sustenance, I have to spend my entire energy. So this is the picture of this age. Can we all deny it? This, in search of laser, we find at last we have ended up with no laser at all. So this is the real meaning of Annagata Prana. So in such a state, how can I think of affording to just cut off myself from the entire world and go deep into the meditation? How can I sustain myself? It's not possible. So in this state of mind, it is not proper for him to see, say, I am he. When a man does all sorts of worldly things, he should not say, I am Brahman. Those who cannot give up attachment to worldly things and who find no means to shake off the feeling of I should rather cherish the idea, I am God's servant, I am his devotee. One can also realize God by following the path of devotion. So even in Narada Bhakti Sutra we find that it is said that in Kali Yuga, Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel is mentioning so many times, Kolite Narodiya Bhakti. This path of devotion. How it helps that when I am not having any leisure, I have to totally be involved with life. There, I am totally involved with the sensitive pleasures of the world. I cannot cut off. Then what's the way out? How can I practice that jnana? It's very difficult. So here the way is that God has placed me in such and such situation. It is not me who have who have planned to be in such and such situation. If we really look at our own life, the family in which I am born, this, uh, all the environment which I got there, which at last ended up in having certain type of career, uh, this uh, academic education resulting in certain profession or some business, whatever it may be, we will find that 
we are as if in a flow we are carried by the flow i have no power to simply uh, what is a change the flow so there is a higher power behind this existence i am a limited being i cannot even conceive of the idea of that one who is much larger than life but i can understand that life is being carried by some higher force man proposes god disposes so many things i have thought of my life in my in uh, so in my in my own way that i will be such and such person i will be uh, 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 professing to have such and such uh, profession and we find that actually it never happened the life flowed in its own way the all the ideas which we had as a student that that in when, when i when i will be in certain profession all the problems of life will be solved i will be enjoying the life you found that the all the problems came came in its something hidingly inevitably it came we couldn't avoid them the joys and sorrows of life it just came we god has disposed them we propose so many things so if that's the case now in this life the detachment by physically detachment is almost impossible whether i cut myself off from the sunset world dive deep in meditation and for my sustenance the society will be there to take care of me that's not possible so what we can do i i can i have to be in the this world totally engaged but in that i can practice that idea of that we say again and again seek not avoid not god whatever situation god has placed me i am happy with that and there is a bigger plan of life in which i have to play a certain role i play it with all the faculties which again the divine has given me and at last the result also i don't hanker i give it to offer it to the divine so this is possible in this life with our all the work with this attitude what happens at last the real thing is to is detachment and to annihilate the ego as sri ramakrishna used to say that ami mukto hobo kobe when shall i be free his answer used to be when i that i is in the inverted comma when i cease to be it is this limited sense of i that has kept us bound and we can get rid of it in many ways in the olden days when laser allowed us we do have resorted to that type of spiritual practices but in the present age it is not possible but still my main if the goal is to get rid of the ego there are many ways i need not have to just resort to that one path alone there are so many other ways so that's why god descends avatar descends avatar means to descend to instruct to instruct the human kind in the way of living which is suitable for that age so here sri ramakrishna is prescribing this spiritual practice which is suitable for this age so here let us read this line again but in kali yuga man being totally depend on food for life cannot altogether shake off the idea 
is the body. In this state of mind, it is not proper for him to say, I am he. When a man does all sorts of worldly things, he should not say, I am Brahman, because it will be contradicting. If a if you say I am Brahman and a thorn pricks you and you just cry out in pain, don't you think what you're saying is contradicting of your what you feel? I'm not supposed to feel if I am Brahman, then why should the uh, this thorn which is pricking me should give me pain? I should I am supposed to be beyond that pain. So what, what I am doing is called in Sanskrit Ativada. I'm speaking something which I haven't realized. That's why in Mundaka Upanishad, we will come to the idea of that real that who is who is a realized soul? The one who is Nativadi, na Nativadi. That whose speech never transcends his realization. So when I say I am Brahman in the present age, what I am doing, my speech is transcending my realization. It's not the fact. But when I say that God, I have been kept by the divine in such and such situation of life. Am I transcending? No. In no way. Even if the one who doesn't believe in God, can he say that the entire life he has planned? He cannot say. But he is in certain situation for which neither seek nor avoid. Can we all, just even a psychiatrist, you go to a psychologist, he will say that in life, all these our the so-called uh, chasing the dreams and not getting it is the cause of the all the mental distortions. Seek not, avoid not, accept the life. Even a psychologist will counsel you that way. Accept the life. Don't be worrying too much about the future. Be at present. Do the thing which you are doing with full concentration. Even a psychologist will counsel you that way. And that's the thing which will be helping you to evolve spiritually. And there you are not resorting to ativada. You're not speaking a single thing which transcends your realization. The state in which you are, you're speaking of that, that only. So there is no question of vague ego. You will find in Narada Bhakti Sutra, there is a sutra where Narada is saying that Bhakti is greater than Jnana because even God hates ego. He likes humility. Say so that's in the 27th uh, Sutra, in the Narada Bhakti Sutra, what it is? Ishwara api abhimana deshitvat dainya priyatvat cha. That even God never likes ego. In our order, you know that Ramakrishna, uh, we say, as Ramakrishna's father, Kshudiram, had a dream in Gaya. The deity in the Gaya is Gadadhar. He went for offering the pinder in Gaya. And that's where he had the vision of Gadadhar, who, is, who in dream told him that he is going to take birth as his son. So, we believe that Ramakrishna is the incarnation of Gadadhar. Now, Gadadhar means one who is holding the mess in his hand. Gada, mess. The God with a mess in his hand. So, in our order, uh, it's in a jokingly we say that Gadadhar's Gada generally doesn't fall on you. Only in one case, sometimes you may, uh, we as a human being, 
you may do so many uh, mistakes still he is quite patient enough the gada will never fall on you but know it for certain if the ego starts developing you start that ego is get flared up the ego gets flared up know it for certain no one can save you from the gada of gadadhar so that's the idea here ishwara api abhiman deshitvat dainya priyatvat he likes humility be humble enough to speak out what is this the state of existence you are never pretend so that is the idea which is being indicated here so ishwara api abhiman deshitvat dainya priyatvat so in this age when i say aham brahmasmi it's just like the it's something it's just like uh bragging it's saying something which you really don't feel so that path when i'm alone meditating i am not in touch with interaction with the world then to think that i am brahman is okay but when you're interacting with the world you're getting angry because some people are not doing the thing the way you want that th- things to be done and you find anger jealousy rancor everything is in your heart and just you're saying i am brahman how can that really help you spiritually it's it's it's, it's a time of it's a, it's a fraudulent practice it's a hypocrisy so that's why this bhakti is better for this age when i have to constantly interact with the world the gyani gives up his identification with worldly things discriminating not this not this only then can he realize brahman it is like reaching the roof of a house by leaving the steps behind one by one but the vigyani who is more intimately acquainted with brahman realizes something more he realizes that the steps are made of the same materials as the roof bricks lime and brick dust that which is realized intuitively as brahman through the eliminating process of not this not this is then found to have become the universe and all its living beings the vigyani sees that the reality which is nirguna without attributes is also saguna with attributes it's very nice so i am looking at the spectrum of seven colors at present i am having no idea that the white light when falls on the prism breaks into that spectrum so to me this spectrum is real and then the prism is taken away i find the this spectrum has vanished i realize that the white light is a reality is a reality is the white light which when passes through the mind the prism called mind it breaks up into this world of name and form so now there's two things it speaks of that once you have realized first that self spectrum was the reality once the prism is taken away the spectrum has vanished you know that white light is the reality but does the spectrum in any way becomes totally uh, something imaginary no you know now now you know it for certain that that same white light when passes through the prism breaks into the spectrum of the seven colors now these seven colors you see as something as a projection of that white light 
So instead of taking it to be the reality, you take it as a projection of the reality. So now your vision has changed. Previously, the things which were matter of joy and sorrow, because you took them real, took them to be as real, took, the, took them to be as real. Now it's only entertainment for you because it's now a projection. He can relate to the same word. Just uh, to give an example, uh, as long as we are interacting with life, we meet some tragedy. It makes, it makes us feel so dejected. But when I see that tragedy, tra this same tragedy, same tragedy projected through the, the screen, uh, projected on the screen. It, I know it's just for entertainment. I purchase the ticket, I buy the ticket and go to the cinema hall to see the tragedy. Why? It's a, it has become a mere projection for me. So now I can enjoy it. It can entertain me, though it's a tragedy. So similarly, this here Ramakrishna is speaking of that when you go to the realization, the prism has fallen off. It has now become one with the white light. Previously, all the spectrum was real for you. Now again, when the prism is kept, now you know this white light is not real. Uh, this spectrum is not real as the spectrum. They are real as the projection of the white light. And as their projection, I can really, they can entertain me, but they can in no way affect me. I'm not getting affected. I'm the self who is witnessing what's going on. So now the same, when I was uh, through sadhana, I was trying to go to that realization. The entire world I related to as this, not this, not this, this. Uh, Mr. Ramakrishna is speaking of that uh, you are negating the entire world and when you come back from that realization then everything is the projection of that so then your idea becomes not only this previously it was not this now it is not only this what I see that's the projection of the ultimate reality not only that, there are so many things which is beyond my beyond my vision. They also are the projection of the same reality. That as we saw that in the Upanishads, in the Vedas, it is mentioned that if uh, this world is just the one fourth, is uh, this world is a projection is one fourth projection of the divine. The remain the re remaining three fourth is beyond our perception. It is beyond that. This this beyond this hour, uh, this the, the divinity, three-fourths of the divinity is beyond our perception. We cannot even visual, visualize it. So that's the idea Sri Ramakrishna is speaking of here. So when you come down from that realization, now you're a totally changed person. You relate to the world with a totally different perspective. Nothing can bind you. You see the same world, but it cannot bind you. That story of that uh, Swami Vivekananda, we can relate to it with this statement, the state, state of Jnani and Vijnani. What's that? His Swami Vivekananda is saying that I was passing through the desert as a wandering monk. I was thirsty. 
I was in search of water. And then I suddenly saw a huge reservoir. I started approaching towards it. And then suddenly it vanished. It was no more there. I was seeing the reflection of the tree in the water, the water, and it appeared to be like uh, some, what you say, shady place. So I was approaching for uh, to relax there and suddenly it vanished. It was no more there. So now this vanishing speaks of the realization, jnani, that knowledge dawned in. Oh, this is the mirage. I've heard of it. I thought I understood, but actually it was just a conceptual knowledge. Today the realization came. So that's the state of the jnani. Now what is vijnani? The next day again I am passing through the desert. Again I am thirsty. Again I see the reservoir. But there is a difference. Today, yesterday it dragged me. Today it cannot drag me. I know it is just a projection. So yesterday I was affected by it. Today it cannot affect me. I see it. I can enjoy it. Oh, see how, how the nature can play trick. It is just there appearing as a huge reservoir. So that is the state of Vigyani, which is spoken, speaking of. So he comes down from that state, but his is no more a bound soul. His total perspective has changed. So this Vigyani is the state of Jivan Mukta. As Shankaracharya in Viveka Churamani has defined the state of Jivan Mukti as the ultimate uh, goal of human life. To achieve that state of freedom while living. It's not something post-mortem that after death you will be enjoying bliss. Here in this life, Jivan Mukti, Sukha Prapti, Hetavejanmadharana. The purpose of this life is to get established in the state of liberation while living, Jivan Mukti. And then the, ult, the real Sukha, you get Sukha Prapti. And nothing can bother you. You can enjoy. You will find in the, in the gospel some other place Ramakrishna speaks of a saint who for a few days was, came, was in Dakshineshwar. When Sri Ramakrishna was in Dakshineshwar, there were many sages, many saints who used to come there. Many monks used to come there. One monk who apparently appeared to be a madcap, he used to move around, he used to have a small chandler in his hand. All thought he's a mad. He will just, with the chandler in his hand, in the daytime, the sun rays falls on it. He will go on moving it. And the reflections, there will be play of its reflections on the ground of light and shed. He will look at it and just have a very, uh, he will have a laugh. He will laugh at him. He will just go on laughing loudly and go on saying, oh, how wonderful is God's creation. So Sri Ramakrishna is actually indicating that's the state of Vijnani. He knows that this mind like the chandler is on which the sunlight is being reflected to create that interplay of light and shed. And that's the world. So it's nothing but the projection of that light through the chandler. And that's why it's such a wonderful creation. You can enjoy it. So Ramakrishna understood that he's not an ordinary madcap. He's a realized soul. He's in the state of Vigyani. So this is the Vigyani. He comes down to relate to the same world with a total different perspective. Say, so you cannot stay in that realization for long. You have to come down. 
But when you come down, you're a total different man. A man cannot live on the roof a long time. He comes down again. Those who realize Brahman in Samadhi come down also and find that it is Brahman that has become the universe and its living beings. In the musical scale, there are the notes Sare, Gama, Padha, Ni. But one cannot keep one's voice on Ni a long time. So Ni is a high note. We will find that in when we are singing, now and then we do go to the high note. But it is very difficult to stay in that high note. Your voice will get stressed. You again have to. You have to compose the music in such a way that for shortly you go to that high note and have to come down. So that's what he is saying. That the musical scales, there are notes, Sare, Gama, Padha, Ni, but one cannot keep one's voice on Ni a long time. The ego does not vanish altogether. The man coming down from Samadhi perceives that it is Brahman that becomes that has become the ego, the universe, and all living beings. This is known as Vijnana. This is something which we find is a unique thing which Sri Ramakrishna is bringing into discussion. This idea of Vijnana, when from the Advaitic standpoint of view, is Vijnana, the state of Vijnana. They won't uh, give, uh, though uh, they may accept it, but they won't say that it is something, the ultimate thing which we should as, uh, uh, aspire for. But Sri Ramakrishna is speaking of it. Uh, it is something which is more tuned to Vishishta Advaita. This the idea of this Vijnana. So Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that after you go to that realization, you come down. So even in our spiritual practice, that's why one thing is very important to say Aham Brahmasmi as the truth. It may be Ativada. It's like bragging. But if I just say that before my spiritual practice, every day before my spiritual practice, for some time, I will be thinking that I am Brahman. Why? To just purify myself, to detach myself. That's okay. So because there's a state when you come down from that, again to relate to that word. So that Aham Brahmasmi can be used as a purification to later start your the dualistic practice. But just to think that as the truth and try to get established in it, maybe something which is very almost impractical in the present world. So that's what Sri Ramakrishna is discussing. So we will come to, we will find that he's really speaking of the profound philosophy, the entire yoga philosophy, the Vedanta philosophy is behind these words. The Yoga Sutra, which we were studying, and for the entire Yoga Sutra is actually in these words. So that's why uh, in our order, this studying the scripture is very important. Why? It's not the scripture alone. This, this reading the life of Ramakrishna, Holy Mother Vivekananda should go parallel with the study of the scriptures. And then if we do that, we will find that their life is a living commentary of the scripture. You can relate to that. If I read only this life, we get totally cut off from the source. And once you get cut off from the source, you cannot understand the how profound these ideas are. That life itself becomes superficial, but because I don't have some reference point. I, with my limited idea, try to relate to the life of Ramakrishna, 
and i can never relate that life with the high ideals because i have, i have not no uh, inkling no idea of it but when you read in reference to that then you find that it is actually living commentary of that all the spiritual truths which have been spoken of so that way the scripture what the scriptures intention was the scriptures intention was like mother to help us out from this world of bondage so the avatara comes in between as an interpretation of that to make it possible otherwise if we try to understand scripture without the help of this lives in the words of swami vivekananda in our attempt to make is image of shiva we will make an image of a monkey that's was a sheep gorte banor gora this unless you have these lives as the reference we will be having all sorts of uli headed ideas if we just read to the scripture alone or even to this life alone this both has to go together then only the real meaning of the scripture reveals and we can relate to it uh, and that's what that's what we are trying to do we are trying to read the gospel in the light of the yoga and the vedanta philosophy in the light of the scriptures so with this we stop our discussion today we will continue uh, with the remaining portion of ramakrishna's conversation with vidyasagar again in the next class thank you all namaskars